one constant through all the years, Ray. Been beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Oh, I hurt that so much. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. Yeah, we're not quite as good as what we think we are. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. We would be honored if you would join us. Happy New Year to you. Welcome to Beyond the Game. I'm Rick Benson. I'm joined by Zach Barletta. He produces our program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com. You can give them a call, 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. You can interact with our program. Follow us on Twitter, at BTG Program or by visiting our website, btgprogram.com. It is a new year. The Christmas, I tell you, Zach, I don't know if it's just me. I have no idea what day it is. (laughs) The holidays just throw me so far off. And then, of course, you got football every day. So you got college games going on, the NFL sticking random games on Saturday. I've lost track of what even day it is. I'm with you. My work schedule's been all thrown off by the holidays and, uh, you know, all day long Sunday. I thought it was Monday and and then the game started and it was just, uh, it's been weird. Yeah. There is, there's something very wonderful about getting back into a routine. The, the holidays are great. The time with family. We're doing a best of show as we did last week. Darren's not with us. He's, he's with his family. Zach and I, we live fairly close, so we got in the studio just for a couple of minutes to put together a best of show that we could share with you and won't take us a lot of time. We can get back to the time with the families, but I am looking forward to getting back on schedule. One of the first segments I want to introduce was an interview you set up. You got a hold of Ron Doc. I didn't know who Ron Doc was, but he spent 17 years with the New York Yankees as an intervention coordinator working with the lights of Slade Heathcock, Daryl Strawberry, Doc Gooden. And when we had him on this show, that is that is maybe one of my favorite interviews. Just to talk to him and and hear what he went through in his life. That he he was a great interview. He was and he was one of my favorite as well. And we actually tweeted a couple of weeks ago when we had him on the show a video of him talking about a time that he saved Daryl Strawberry's life when Daryl Strawberry was high, and I recommend going back through our Twitter feed to watch that. That amazing story, amazing man, uh, co-founder, by the way, of the Daryl Strawberry um, Recovery Center. So let's play that interview we did not all that long ago with Ron Doc. Ron himself is celebrating 23 years in recovery and has dedicated his life to helping others struggling with drug and alcohol addiction. Welcome to the program, Ron. It is truly a great honor to speak with you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. After working with such stars as Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, and others, why now? Why is this the right time for you to step down from the Yankees? (laughs) Good question. Um, I gave them uh, 17 great years. I had a blast with the Yankee organization. Uh, It was just you know, I just felt spiritually it was a time to go. There's nothing else I can do here. I wanted to do some different things. 
such as working with the Dallas Strawberry Recovery Center here in St. Cloud, uh, Florida. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life to work with one of the greatest teams on the planet, the New York Yankees. Thanks to the visioner, the vision, excuse me, of, uh, George Steinbrenner and, uh, Mark Newman, who was a uh, vice president of, uh, development at the time who had this vision to help players get back into their workforce instead of, you know, sitting them down or, you know, ostracizing them, but to get them the treatment they needed and to get them back on the field. Not just the players, the staff too, you know, there for the whole organization. I understand that your own addiction led you to being homeless for a number of years. What is it that made you decide at that time to get your life back on track? Very good question. Um, I was 17, I went into the Marine Corps, and the day I turned 18, I went into Vietnam, and um, over there I was traumatized, and um, I was introduced into opiates and alcohol, and I brought that addiction on with me, and I ran with that addiction for uh, the next, quite a few years, as a matter of fact, until 19, uh, October 5th, 1992, what had happened, um, I became homeless, I worked for New York City Sanitation Department, I couldn't keep a job, because I'd rather get high. I lost my wife, my kids, and uh, was beaten down to the point of suicide, being locked up by the police, you know, I did some time in jail, or, you know, uh, drug charges, and I just got tired of life, and uh, it was either uh, that or die, and I thought I was going to die, so I had to surrender, and by the grace of God, I did, I will never forget the day that I did surrender, it was uh, a spiritual awakening for me, and I've been on the right track ever since. And uh, one of the greatest gifts I have, because I asked God, why did he pick me? And that's to carry the message. Yes, all he wants me to do is to help the next person. 23 years later, you have a successful marriage. You're well-respected in your field. And as a native of the Bronx, you've gotten to work with the New York Yankees. Now, I know it's not all been a fairy tale. I'm certain there has been plenty of struggles along the way. What has been your key to success in avoiding temptations that could potentially lead to a relapse? Good question. Uh, number one, being very humble and uh, never forgetting that last high, how I felt inside that desperation, you know, that uh, despair, you know, uh, the humiliation I uh, brought upon my family. I still go to 12-step meetings on a regular basis. I surround myself with people that are not using you know, I don't have drugs in my house. My wife, who's an angel, she's extremely supportive. My mother, by the grace of God, will be turning 95 in January. Oh, amen. And, amen, yeah. And I honestly believe watching me recover and, yeah, doing the thing I'm doing has really enriched her life. Because I'm a triplet. Uh, two of them OD. One at 19 years old in my mother's bathtub. My mother found them with a needle on the the other one, um, I had a year and a half sober. He hung himself because he couldn't uh, come to grips with his alcoholism. And my third brother, uh, three years ago, died of a kidney failure because he had a kidney for him, but he would not stop smoking marijuana and drinking. So they're not going to give a kidney to someone that's actively using. I do have a huge family um, history with substance abuse. But these um, situations are the reason why I stay clean. I stay very, very active in my recovery. I surround myself with the best people, and um, it's been working for 23 years. Moment at a time sometimes. That, it, trust me, sometimes I feel like drinking or drugging because life is not going my way, which I think it should. 
And what I do is play that tape all the way back in my head. You know, I see myself picking up that first drink and uh, the end result would be jails, institutions, or death. You've been quoted as saying that you're a man restored by God, and of course our show is a faith-based program. Can you elaborate a little what you mean by a man restored by God and maybe share where you've experienced his hand in your life? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned uh, asked that question. I am restored by God. I remember the day that I turned my life around and gave my uh, life to God. I knew at that time I was going to be okay. I was going to be safe, and he had his arms around me. That day came. I had three days sober, and a gentleman came into the rehab I was in and read the uh, poem of the footprints. And uh, all this time that I thought I was alone, that I was being beaten down, that I was being left behind, that whole time uh, God was carrying me the whole way. Mm-hmm. And that spiritual awakening just, you know, you know, just turned my life around. And uh, I've been in the middle of the boat ever since. And um, this is what I do now. I just give back. You know, I have my own way of ministry. I'm not a minister, don't get me wrong, but everybody has their calling. And my calling is to uh, service uh, addicts and alcoholics who are suffering. You know, and that's my anointing, and that's what I'm good at. I'm restored by grace. You know, I'm here by grace. You know, I, I celebrate sometimes. I'm in the bonus round, but uh, and God is not done with me. That's why I'm still here. So I'm just doing his will on a daily basis. We're talking with Ron Doc here on the Beyond the Game program. Ron is an interventionist with the Daryl Strawberry Recovering Center. He spent 17 years as such with the New York Yankees. And you can learn more about Ron and all that he does at starsaresober.com. That's the letter R, starsaresober.com. Ron, when Dwight Gooden was making his comeback with the Yankees, there was a time that fatigue became a source of speculation after a relatively short outing. Yet, as the account goes, you dismissed that rather humorously by saying, what are you doing being fatigued if you only pitch every seven days? But you also said that he wasn't spiritually grounded anymore. His arm was dead because he was spiritually dead. How big a role does or perhaps can faith play in recovering from an addiction? You know, uh, recovery is uh, spiritually based all the way. If you don't get your spirituality back, you're, you know, doomed to fail. And that was one of the uh, last things that came back to me because, like I said, I was angry. I was, why did you take me to Vietnam? You know, why my father left? But until I got, you know, really real with myself and, and let God in, that's when the uh, dramatic change in my life uh, started to occur. Dwight Gooden, you know, that's a, a different uh, situation, and I'm praying for him every day. He's doing good just for today. You know, that's all we have is right now. And I really don't want to, you know, discuss his uh, uh, walk with God because I feel that's for him to discuss. Sure. And, uh, but, uh, you know, we all pray for him. Daryl and I, we pray on a daily basis for everybody, and, Dar- and Dwight is definitely not prayer. Yankees outfielder Slade Heathcock credits you with having a role in his recovery and specifically for connecting him with Sam Marcinek, another one-time Yankee who overcame addiction. Sam and I have been part of the same missions trips, and I know faith plays a big part in his life. Were you involved in helping Sam in his recovery? Uh, yes, early on, and Sam used to scare me, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Sam used to be one rough gentleman, you know, real hostile, Real angry, and matter of fact, I really didn't think he stood a chance because that's how uh, 
out there he was, you know. And um, he went down to Dominican Republic one day and uh, with uh, John Zeller, who's a pastor here in Tampa. See, that day he was saved and he became a new creature, man. And, like, I, I love him to death. He's got a beautiful ministry going. He's giving back, giving back, giving back. But, yes, uh, and, again, Slade Heacock, that's another one. I thought would probably lose his career, wind up in jail or dead. That's how wild he was. But um, I had an idea, and I called Sam. And without thinking, Sam came to my office and said, where is he? I put him with uh, Slade Heacock, and the rest is history. Uh, he found God, and uh, he's ministering to kids. He has a great little ministry going himself, uh, Slade. And I love him to death. I call him my stepson. You know, when you see these success stories come out, with many are called to recovery, but very, very few are chosen. And I honestly believe, and I told Slade, uh, you've been anointed, and you've been called to do a service, and it's not baseball. That's going to be your stepping stone. I used to tell that to Daryl. Uh, I told Daryl when he was in the position that he's going to do God's will alive or dead. But either way, you're going, to be, you're going to be your minister, and he's one of the greatest ministers I, I know right now. He, he gives back unselfishly every day, every day. One of the most hum humble human beings I've ever met was Al Stilberg. Oh, that's great to hear. Ron, you're, as you said earlier, your work with the Yankees wasn't just with star ball players, nor is your work always with substance addiction issues. In fact, from what I understand, addiction is the smaller percentage of your workload. You've also assisted in family situations, legal issues, even depression. Can such struggles with non-substance issues be early warning signs or red flags that could potentially lead to or trigger substance abuse issues? Absolutely. If you don't deal with what's going on at that time or, or dealing with what's going on with inside you, you there is a potential of masking that or medicating it or running away from it. And the first thing a person would do is pick up a drink, a drug, or something to uh, change the way they feel. This was uh, one of my cornerstones of uh, helping the organization. That's what, to me, intervention meant. If a, a player or staff member comes to me and, hey, listen, you know, I feel like quitting because my girlfriend's home pregnant. You know, that's enough to make someone, they're not strong enough to drink or do something, you know, uh, that's going to be uh, detrimental to their careers. Or grief, you know, we've had, I've had uh, coaches who lost their uh, family members, their sons, their, you know, one coach lost his son. And that was a potential for anything to happen, you know, if they didn't, you know, get a handle on it. But um, if they don't deal with it right away, yes, that's what intermission is. Ron, is there anything we can pray about for you? Yes, uh, you can pray for my loving mother who's 95 years old, you know, that she uh, continues with health. Well, good, good health. And, um, you know, for the next person uh, that they find recovery, of course, we're in a dark time right now. There's an epidemic of heroin, and uh, the young people are really falling. But we losing people every day to uh, death, ODs, both, uh, especially the heroin that's coming out here right now. All right, will do. I want to thank you, Bart, Amen. for Amen. coming by the program, spending time with us today. It's, it's really been a real privilege to talk with you. Thank you very much for having me. That's Ron Dock of the Daryl Strawberry Recovery Center. He spent 17 years with the New York Yankees as an intervention coordinator. You can learn more about Ron, starsrsober.com. That's the letter R, starsrsober.com. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country, Best Solutions. 
Have you been hearing some strange noises up in the attic or in other parts of your house? Well, it's that time of year again. Mice, squirrels, and other critters are making their way into your homes to escape the cold weather. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today and they will take care of the problem. They'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Town & Country is also equipped to handle bed bug problems. Early detection is key, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024. That's 426-5024. Town & Country's initial treatment success rate and their guarantee are well above industry average and when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you town and country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have remember town and country fears nothing but god so call town and country pest solutions today at 426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com Welcome back to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, a best of show, although the best of. Zach and I are here in the studio introducing the segments, and coming up in just a bit, we're going to do little shenanigans. Zach has a couple of statements that we'll, I'll either agree with or call shenanigans on, but before we do that, let's play that Louisville basketball segment we did. Haven't heard much about it in the news. I'm sure they're still... Uh, seeing what angle they're going to take. But Louisville came under a lot of, uh, I don't know what you'd say, a lot of heat, a lot of... A lot of scrutiny, a lot of... Um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, a lot of media attention that they didn't really want. A lot of accusations, whether they're accurate, whether they're fair, whether they're um, true, I will find out in time. But the point that we made using the segment was... If there's temptation there, if there's opportunities for sin, man, just get out of there. Mm-hmm. Just avoid the opportunity um, that's that's there. Just to the best of our ability, we need to flee from sin, as the Bible says. So let's go ahead and just play that segment. Those of you who are not aware, a group of former basketball players or recruits told ESPNs outside the lines that they attended parties where there were strippers who were paid for by the team's former graduate assistant coach, Andre McGee. In fact, one of the players said that he had had sex with a dancer after McGee had paid her. One of the recruits who ended up playing at a at another school is quoted as saying, I knew they weren't college girls. It was crazy. It was like a strip club. The allegations originated in a book published Recently, by former escort Katina Powell, the book is called Breaking Cardinal Rules, Basketball, and the Escort Queen. The sex parties are alleged to have occurred between 2010 and 2014 inside Billy Minardi Hall, which, by the way, is named for head coach Rick Pitino's uh, late brother-in-law, which is on the which is the on-campus dorm for the Louisville athletes. Powell said in her book that McKee arranged the parties and paid her $10,000 for supplying dancers during that time period. Powell also said in an interview with ESPN that McGee also supplied cash for side deals, and I guess, I guess we all know what that means by side deals. It included sex with recruits and even some guardians who accompanied those recruits on visits, and if that weren't enough, also with some of the Louisville players. The former player who said he had sex with a dancer claims that McGee provided him with $1 bills to be able to tip dancers and that it was McGee who paid one of the dancers to have sex with that player. In the interview, as if it were, 
as if it were attempting to be upstanding, the player said to McGee, would give us the money, just the recruits, as if he, you know, because he didn't want to, uh, Alec, uh, he didn't want to accuse the players because it would be inappropriate and against NCAA rules, of course, to give money to players. The player adds that a bunch of us were sitting around while they danced and then the players left and the recruits chose which one they wanted. This is, this is some really, really disturbing stuff. In fairness to Louisville head coach Rick Patino, he's quoted as saying, I don't know if any of this is true or not. He also called on McGee, um, to come out and tell the truth to his teammates and to the University of Louisville. I'm quoting Patino here to his fans and to the coaches that have taught him to do the right things for years and allowed him to be at a part of something special here. McGee, who so far has not commented, left Louisville in 2014. He's now an assistant coach at the University of Missouri in Kansas City, and he's on administrative leave there with pay while the school conducts a review. Powell said she kept phone records, texts, and detailed journals of the events, quote, because I knew that this day would come, and I knew that one day they would say she's lying. Outside the Lines has independently confirmed that text messages sent to Powell to arrange the parties came from McGee's cell phone. They've also independently confirmed a wire transfer of $200 from McGee to Powell on at least one occasion. Guys, that's sort of sets the situation, so where does one even begin discussing it? I guess the thing that obviously joins out is the phrase from the Bible in Numbers 32-23, be sure your sin will find you out. Now, I don't know Ms. Powell. Obviously, my wife is relieved to know I don't know Ms. Powell. But I, <laughs> I have to question the wisdom of trusting someone who works in her particular line of work, as McGee seemed to. What has the world come to when you can't trust your escort slash prostitute slash <laughs> provider of girls for sex. I mean, seriously, if you're making arrangements with this type, um, a, an arrangement of this type with a prostitute, should you be surprised if she writes a book and you're mentioned in it? I mean, be sure your sin will indeed find you out. I mean, really, you're making a deal here. You're saying, come on in, I'm going to pay you this money, do all these things. You don't think she's going to write a book? You don't think at some point she's going to tip off somebody? I don't know if it's a cash grab. I don't know what the book is. I mean, obviously there's money in it for her. For her, I don't know that she has said one way or the other if it's all about money, but it's not not about money. I mean, you don't write a book for free. But in talking about it on sports radio, there's not going to be any division on this. Other than one or two people trying to get a reaction, nobody's going to be calling in to say they don't see a problem or that Louisville did nothing wrong. Nobody's going to be saying that. However, I have been hearing people wondering why Louisville is under fire because, after all, it happens everywhere. And while this may indeed happen in pockets of isolated incidents, I don't think this happens everywhere. Just because you see this kind of thing all over TV, it's in the movies, it's on your streaming service network shows, it doesn't mean it happens in real life. Learn to discern real life from fantasy. Where's the shock? Where's the shock in, uh, you know, oh, this happens everywhere? You know, I don't, I don't believe that to be true. I find myself wondering when I hear the account of how players and recruits were sitting around while the girls dancing, with the added details that some of them were dancing naked, did anybody object? Did anybody get up and leave? Did it, did anyone? 
I, I mean, they didn't have to stay, right? So it seems they were not uncomfortable and that this was situation was probably all right with them. And I get it. They're high school. They're not yet in, in college. They're being recruited. I, I mean, you're asking, I understand. Second Timothy 2.22 tells us, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. I mean, you could have got up and left. I get it, though. It's not easy. The tempt of a woman is, is a very difficult thing for a young man, or any man for that matter, to resist. I heard Stephen A. Smith on his program earlier this week. He was making this very point and referenced the Garden of Eden. Stephen A. Smith was talking about Adam, who at the time was walking with God, fellowshipping with the Lord God himself. But when tempted by a woman, he chose to be with her and ate of the forbidden fruit. And you think that a young college recruit has a chance? (sighs) That's a tough situation. Sometimes people to effectively deal with sin, we need to get ourselves away from the temptation. Get out of there, man. Flee youthful passions. That's what the Bible says. King James says, flee youthful lusts. So flee, man, if that's what it takes. I mean, these young people in that situation, I haven't heard that they did, I haven't heard that they didn't, but they had every opportunity to leave. Bible says that's what Joseph did. Joseph was uh, the most trusted person in Potiphar's employ, but it was Potiphar's wife, though, that you might recall how she had her eye on Joseph. Genesis 39.12 says that eventually she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. I don't know about you. I don't I don't know what the the dress was, but I picture my man just running out naked. You know, she had a hold of his garment, he left it and got out of there. And um David Guzik says this. He says, If we are not actually running towards sin, we have a tendency to at least linger in his presence. And isn't that the truth? I mean, if, even if we're not running towards the sin, we do have a tendency sometimes to linger in his presence. But we are commanded, he also says, to do the only safe thing. Run away from these lusts of the flesh and run as fast as we can. That's been something that really God's been working on me in, in recent weeks to just make that choice to get out of there. When I'm sitting in, in a tempting situation, rather than excuse my sin to cover over my sin, we talked about looking the other way on our, on last week's show when we were talking about Chase Utley, um, it becomes harder and harder and harder to deal with your sin the more you look the other way. I need to make the choice to sanctify myself, to separate myself from that sin. And in the Bible, you also have an example of the exact opposite, where David goes up on the rooftop, sees Bathsheba bathing. He doesn't walk away, and he ends up becoming an adulterer and a murderer. Good point. I remember being invited to a bachelor party. Many years ago, I, I had just recently gotten married, maybe within a few weeks. It might be, this might be the only bachelor party I've ever been invited to now that I think about it. But the group was seeing a comedian and then they were going to go to a strip club. It was a good friend. I went and saw, this was Rob Bartlett. He, uh, I don't know if you've watched Don Imus's program. He's on Don Imus quite a bit. Uh, it was Rob Bartlett's show. But afterwards, I was the only one who left and went home. And yes, there's plenty of teasing. There's plenty of teasing, plenty of pressure to go to the club. And I'm not saying this to my glory. I'm saying it to God's glory. But he provided the strength that I needed to to just avoid it. And looking back, I'm glad I didn't go. 
I was able to resist the temptation of, of those guys' pressure, but had I gotten to the club, I'm not sure how much I could have handled, how much pressure, how much temptation I could have handled, you know, in the presence of those women. We have this promise from God. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God God lets us know that our temptation is not unique. Others have faced the same, or at least a very similar temptation. They found the strength in God to overcome the temptation. And so can we. So can you. You can be victorious in the strength of Jesus, not in your own strength. We'll obviously be hearing more about this Louisville situation in the weeks to come. We'll learn of Patino's involvement, if any, and what he did or what he did not know, how it affects his legacy. He's already a Hall of Fame coach. But for the rest of us, most of us would agree that recruiting high school basketball players with sex parties is certainly shameful. But let's perhaps raise our guard. So when temptation comes our way, our hearts and our minds are firmly grounded in Christ so that we may withstand and avoid the sin, all to the glory of God. It's a tough situation. It's It really is a troubling, disturbing, ugly situation. And we could probably, all of us agree, looking around, there's a lot of fault. There's a lot of shame to point out. But at some point, when faced with the temptation of sin, we have to make the choice to get up and go. That's a segment we did back at the end of October. Rick Benson with you, Zach Barletta with you, Beyond the Game brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. We're going to play shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. Zach will throw out uh, three statements, and we're either going to agree with them And our rule is a very brief explanation. So, Zach, what is your first statement for shenanigans? Russell Wilson has become an elite quarterback. Well, we all know what Mike Pettin thinks. (laughs) But I, I tend to think I agree with him. Now, it depends on what you consider elite. The guy wins. There's no doubt about it. He's a winner. He gets it done. But he doesn't put up what I would think to be elite type of number. So I'm going to say shenanigans. He's not up there with a Joe Montana, a Dan Marino, a Aaron Rodgers, or Tom Brady. He's not going to put up those numbers. Part of that is the system. A big part of that is the system I understand. I call shenanigans. Um, I looked back over their schedule this year, and a lot is made over that five-game win streak that they just had. The problem is most of their wins have been against pretty bad teams. They beat the Niners twice. They beat the Ravens. They beat the Browns. Then this past week, they took on the Rams. They finally played a good defensive team, and they lost. Um, I think he's a very good quarterback who took advantage of good matchups. Quarterback Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has had a subpar by his standards season, which has coincided with a lot of attention being paid to his relationship with actress Olivia Munn. If Tony Romo was the one dating Olivia Munn and having a bad season, we'd be all over him for it. Truth or shenanigans? You know, I agree. I can't explain that. I have no idea why, but I agree. If this was Tony Tony Romo, you'd be hearing a lot about it. 
I agree. That's just part of being Tony Romo is you get maybe after this season that the Cowboys have had mostly without him, he'll get the credit that he's due for being a very good quarterback. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Olivia Munn are posting videos of themselves in Jedi robes for the movie and all kinds of stuff like that. And he's quietly not had a great year. Yeah, by the way, stop doing that. Nobody cares. And finally, the Buffalo Bills' outlook for next year is better than what we've seen from them this year. I agree. There's a lot of talent on that roster. I think it's poorly coached talent, though. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there, but I think their coaching... They either need to change the coaching or really bring it. it they got to step up. I agree the coaching needs to change. We've, we've beaten that dead horse into the ground. But sadly, I have to call shenanigans on the statement. Um, the schedule for next year is very tough. And unfortunately, with Rex Ryan as the head coach, they need offensive line. But you know with, with Rex Ryan, they're going to draft defense. And he's going to get rid of some of the talent that's already on the defense to make it fit his scheme. We saw how that turned out with the Jets. As a Bills fan who's used to always saying, next year there's hope, next year I don't know that there is a lot of hope. I'm not going to let our fans down. I am not going to do that. Benton and Barletta with you. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. We'll be back right after this. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. Tim Hiller was striving for a prized roster spot with the Indianapolis Colts when six words changed everything. We have to let you go. In his new book, Strive, former collegiate and NFL quarterback Tim Hiller leads you on a year-long journey, taking small steps each week on the path to making your life matter and to developing more and more into the person God designed you to be. Strive by Tim Hiller, now available on Amazon or at timhiller.com. Glad you could join us for a best of edition of Beyond the Game. I'm Rick Benson. Glad you're here. One of the interviews we did not too long ago was with Bob Seagave. Bob is the athletic director at Roberts Wesleyan College. And I, the reason I like that interview talks a little bit about some of the different things going on at Roberts. In moving to Division Two, they really haven't had that struggle. They jumped in and have been competitive in practically every sport they participate in. Yeah. And they've done a great job, and I just I think what's going on there in the athletic program at the college has just has been phenomenal. So here's an interview we did with athletic director Bob Seagave. So great to have you, Bob. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us, Benson. Appreciate it. You know some pretty cool things going on so far this fall with Roberts Athletics. The men's golf team won the NCCAA Midwest Regional Event. And there's also a new career wins leader in the men's tennis. Yeah, Charlie Ferris is a top bet, um, and he's, he's still got quite a few to go. So he may he may set a record that's going to be uh, here for a very long time. He's an exceptional player, and 
lot going on, like you said. Um, certainly off to a great start. And, and really all began this summer. We did some great renovations to our facility uh, here to the Valor Athletic Center. And then we went, went running right into the season. The men's soccer won a big game last night. They're over 500. Um, our cross-country teams are ranked nationally, and they're defending ECC champs. And uh, both did a great job homecoming weekend at the um, Harry Anderson meet. The women came in first, and the men came in second and only lost to Cornell, which is a D1 squad. Um, so, again, doing well there. Men's tennis uh, was undefeated up until last night. And then women's soccer is ranked fourth in the East by the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, and they're 6-1-1. One, one, so. You know, you mentioned women's soccer, and not long ago we had Bobby McCall on the program, Bobby, of course, being the women's soccer coach there at Roberts, and I was telling him, I've always been impressed by Roberts' ability to recruit athletes both locally and from around the world. Is it difficult, Bob, to get players to commit to Roberts, and what is your main emphasis point in selling Roberts to a potential recruit? I don't think it's difficult at all. You know, I think once um, they meet our coaches, once they see our campus, and I feel that um, we really have a great opportunity to get them. In most cases, we do. God's blessed this place. I mean, as, as we focus on the transformational experience and the holistic education of student-athletes, becoming um, an extension of the classroom, if you will, uh, parents and the prospective student-athletes, you know, they really appreciate that cross-cultural, they create appreciate that holistic approach that we have. They appreciate the fact that we're going to get them ready for life, that we're going to almost parent their kids for four years. And, and I think, again, once they see and feel all that, I don't think it's difficult at all to, to get kids to decide to come here. It's just a wonderful place. We're talking with Bob Seagave, Athletic Director at Roberts Wesleyan College. You took over officially as AD in July after having been in coaching for many years at Roberts and other places. How's the transition been from coach to AD? And What's been the biggest adjustment for you that you found yourself just having to trust God on? Yeah, thanks. Um, the transition's going great. You know, as I mentioned, there's been a, a lot going on from the summer on through. So in ways, it feels like a blur. We did a lot here. Um, we had to do several coaching service searches. One of them was to, to replace me, but we also did place a cross coach, an administrative assistant. So we've been through some transitions there. Uh, it's been quite an undertaking, so we do lean on God every day. I mean, I wake up, and that's the first thing I'm doing. And when I go to sleep, it's, you know, praying for strength the next day and wisdom, um, going from coaching the team to coaching the coaches, if you will, and how I've looked to, to see it. Um, that leadership position has definitely stretched me. But, again, I coached for a long time. I had a business background, which has helped me in this position. So I can say it's gone smoothly. You know, a lot of the changes that we did here in the building, um, we're great as a department. We had the vision of getting all our coaches together. So we remodeled offices. We have all our coaches in one area. And and I really wanted to build that solid base. I wanted to make sure our adjunct coaches and part-time coaches and full-time coaches were all seeing and hearing the same things and understanding as a Christian college the things that we want them to be doing and performing. And, and they've been so accepted. So it's been, uh, it's been wonderful. But, again, it isn't without the, the prayers of many. Uh, including myself for, for me, so I, and I appreciate all those. Of course, the basketball season creeps closer and closer, mm-hmm. and having been the women's basketball coach until taking over as AD, does it seem a little strange to you to not be preparing for the season ahead <laughs> in the same way? It absolutely does. You know, um, what a difference to see, um, because they become your kids. You know, you're the one that recruits them, you're the one the parents know. 
some of them have been with me for three years, and uh, and even when I told them I was going to be changing, you know, I remember telling them I'm going to make sure, just like if I knew I couldn't parent my kids, and, and I think we all know that if we've been parents, um, you know, you would want the absolute best if you couldn't raise your kids, and, and I promised them, and I think when we hired Gary Andrews, who was our new coach, um, you know, we, we got that person. He's been great. Uh, which makes me feel at ease. Um, all our staff was retained, so there is some continuity there. And, and he's he invites me into practice to watch some of their workouts. Um, I appreciate that. But, you know, it's it's something that I have to let him kind of make it his team. And so I'll watch from afar. I'll peek my head in. I certainly have an open-door policy with all our coaches, and, and he'll come in and, and pick my brain and ask questions, which I love. Um, so, so staying a little involved, but, again, it's, keeping your distance right now and we just had a wonderful homecoming celebration and uh, so many people were walking around and asking me you know hey when does women's basketball open up I'm like November 13th 14th we got a tip-off tournament with the holiday Inn, ECC CACC challenge and they said well we're going to be there and I'm like that's so great you know we really appreciate their support and they said yeah but part of the time we're going to be watching you and I think that's <laughs> going to be funny and my answer to them is yeah what you're going to see is me sitting on my hands my wife with her hand over my mouth one hand and the other hand on my shoulder so I don't stand up and go nuts so um you know I'm sure there's still going to be some some tests there but um you know overall it's, it's different but it's good and uh, I'm happy with the choice we made. Bob Seagave is with us on Benson and Those Guys he AD at Roberts Wesleyan College Bob, in a recent Sports Illustrated, there was an article on abusive coaching styles and coaches attempting to motivate their players by yelling at them. We've seen these things on TV. As coach for many years, have you ever found that militant style of coaching to be successful, and why or why not? Yeah, I guess for me, it's never worked for me. I think anybody who's an athlete maybe from from our era um, has seen it work maybe in the short term, and the article points to um, Coach Knight as one of those that, that had success. But, you know, now you really see the fallout of some of those things. And, and now with the Mike Rice and, and several since, we also see the, you know, the result in real time, how quickly that can change. So, you know, the era that we played again, there was a lot of that no-nonsense, in-your-face type coaching. But I always feel high expectations, lofty goals, setting accountability and building trust are really the keys to success. Players want order, players want knowledge, and especially now, and, and players want to trust you. And so, again, building that trust factor that takes time is a real internal effort and also takes showing them a, a lot of love. And I think that's a better way to get the best out of people. You know, I think that the article notes a lot about positive approaches and studies that, that are there. And, and I've always found that, and that's one of the things I loved about coaching Roberts and still being here is that we can incorporate that nurturing, that faith base um, that becomes, again, the basis for success, not only here, but success for life. You know, you may not always see it on lit up boards on a scoreboard, but I often told my recruits' parents, so if you judge me by the numbers lit up on a scoreboard, you know, that's very fleeting. Judge by what we do with your sons or daughters. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, I think we see the opposite. People do judge by the, the lights, especially the D1, and that pressure gets to these coaches and they, they go about it maybe the wrong way. They get too demanding. They don't nurture and build. And um, I think, the, again, the key to success is, is doing that. It's got to be a fine line between being firm and pushing an athlete as opposed to crossing the line and, and abusing that player. 
Do you have to have conversations with your coaches and remind them of exactly where that line is? Absolutely. You know, we, we make sure they know and um, we train them on that with the NCAA and the National Christian College Athletic Association um, that we belong to uh, duly. Um, have a lot of training pieces for coaches that they, they have to go through. Um, and, and again, in the end, it can be all words. You know, I think the thing that we also push with them is how you build in trust, how you build in your team. Are you communicating clear expectations? Um, you know, sometimes in the game from the stands, you've got to communicate directly. But if you don't have the time built in building trust, um, even something that looks from the stands as difficult is also going to get the kid to cringe. But if you can build a trust to where they know, hey, I can't stop the clock right away for you, but I'm going to need to know, get back on defense, or that girl's really killing you to the left. We talked about taking that away. You have to communicate directly. But again, it's, it's belittling. It tears you down unless you've taken the time to build that trust. And, you know, today's athlete, they want that feedback. Um, they desire it, but they want you to be truthful with them, and then they don't want to see you waver from that. So that's the hard line, I think, that we try to tell them, too, because you can lose trust, you know, in a moment, but trust is built kind of one little piece of sand on top of another. You take a long time to get there, but you, you fail them in one way, and then all of a sudden everything can get to a, to a negative situation quickly. Yeah. Spend a lot of time with that. Before I let you go, Bob, let me ask you one more thing. The SI article mentioned coaches who ridiculed players who weren't willing to play through injury. Then at Tosin University, there's a situation with Gavin Class, who, after suffering a near-fatal heat stroke once one day in practice, he's had 14 surgeries and a liver transplant and now is suing the school to be allowed to once again play football. Where do you think that final authority lies on whether a not a student is game ready to play. Is is that on the students' doctors or on the schools? I think it falls um, definitely with the students' doctors and certainly with the athletic trainers. Um, you know, we've we've taken all our coaches out of that equation. We have a team doctor. Um, certainly, the student athlete would be um, able to see their own doctor as well. And then we let our trainers make the decisions. You know, you see things like the injury issue and kids wanting to come back or coaches on the other side of it, like we're talking about trying to get kids to play through injuries when they shouldn't be out there. Um, there's too many other factors involved from a coach and even a team kind of standpoint to, to keep them in the middle of that. So we have very clear um, kind of a, a counsel of those three if they want their own physician involved, but certainly our, our team doctor and our trainers totally make that call. And you see a lot of it now with concussions. That's the thing that we see most. You know, when are they able to come back and how we have to deal with that and how more and more research is showing trouble there as well. And, again, it's just a case of, okay, coaches, that's not what you worry about. You coach who's out on the floor. These guys will make that decision apart from you with no pressure. And if everybody's in agreement, student is back. If anybody's raising a the flag, then we withhold the student out. We've been talking with Bob Seagate. He's the AD at Roberts Wesleyan College. Bob, is there anything we can pray for you about? Always. I mean, certainly the transition as it continues. Um, you know, every day I learn something new, um, but every day I learn that God's in control and at the end of the day everything works out. We also have our cross-country team traveling to a big meet, mid-season meet here in Kentucky today. Um, so or, uh, keep them in your prayers as well. And certainly as a department, you know, being excited by what we see, but also um praying for that next generation of kids that are coming through and, and for our college and its continued development. It's a great time to be at Roberts, so we really feel like God's blessing us, but we 
We want to give him the glory, and we certainly want to ask for all you and your listeners to, to keep us in prayer. Amen. Bob, I want to thank you for joining us, and I wish you all well with the season ahead. Thank you, Benson. Hope we can uh, talk again soon. That was a good job by Bob. Good job by Roberts Wesleyan College as a whole with what they're doing up there at the athletic program and good they've, stuff from them. They've been impressive. Back at the end of August, we did a segment talking about the St. Louis Cardinals and realizing now as we look back, they didn't go on to win the World Series. But I said at that point, I think that is the best organization in baseball, the way they've been able to be competitive, the way they've been able to be consistent and we compared them to unity within the body of Christ. This is going back to the end of August and a segment we did illustrating uh, the body of Christ through the St. Louis Cardinals. I think right now the St. Louis Cardinals are the best organization in baseball. Even with that messy business with allegedly stealing inside information from the Astros, but even that there, that doesn't seem to stick. It doesn't seem to have any impact on the Cardinals. They're just above it all. They play consi- they're consistent baseball. They're successful. Their preparation and their planning, it always seems that they have somebody to step in and fill a void when someone goes down with an injury. Their cohesiveness, their teamwork. There was an interesting quote from uh, Randall Greichuk in, in, in the recent Sports Illustrated. He was He was obtained by the Cardinals from the Angels for... David Freeze, he was, was he the MVP, Freeze? World Series MVP. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says the guy that helped them the most is John Jay. The very John Jay who's playing time and possibly even spot on the team is impacted by Greychuk's performance. That, that's teamwork. That's that kind of professionalism, that kind of dedication to the causes why the Cardinals' organization is successful and his approach is key. Here he is. He's a guy helping the guy who ultimately, at least in part, may cost him a roster spot. I think that's how it should be in the church. When you become a believer in Christ, you not only you receive an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but not only that, each believer is gifted with a talent which we can use to make the organization successful. The organization, in this case, being the advancement of the gospel. Maybe you can sing, maybe you can teach, maybe you can build something, you have a a special affection for children. First Corinthians chapter 12 teaches of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's important, it's important to point out that it also teaches how no one is any more important than another. John Jay is no more important than, than the other Cardinals. I, the Cardinals go about their business thinking, we're in this together. Nobody's more important than somebody else. And that's how it ought to be. You may have talent for playing an instrument or singing in the choir. Someone else may teach in Sunday school, but nobody's more important. Even the pastor is no more important in his role than is the person changing diapers in the nursery. If you're doing what God has called you to do and what he has specifically given you a gift to do, then take pleasure in knowing that you are exactly where he wants you to be. The Cardinals are successful because every member of their team is fulfilling their role. They're not focusing on the importance of their individual roles, but are instead focused on the team as a whole and making that team successful. And that mindset will make the Cardinals very difficult to beat in October. Sometimes in ministry, people are unwilling to work with other people. You've probably seen that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of ugly. Obviously, it hurts the team. Perhaps they're 
concerned with protecting their role, role, their own role within the church. Their focus is no longer on the team, but it's obviously on themselves. God continuously gives and perfects our gifts and abilities. As he moves one person in, he may move another out into something else that they never imagined they could do. Don't be frightened by that. But rather trust in what he's doing and step out on faith, knowing that where God leads, he enables. Sometimes people doubt their own roles, they doubt their own abilities, and they never fully trust in God, and they miss out on the blessing he has in mind for them. And eventually God moves on. His work's going to get done, if not by you, by somebody else. So don't miss it. The journey's amazing when you fully trust in God and you follow his lead. But at the same time, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, don't look down on someone else. Don't think what they do is not as important as what you do. Again, as we said, the focus is off God and it's on you. It's easy for us sometimes to focus on our own areas of ministry, to view others with differing gifts who are involved in different ministries that they matter less or that they're somehow not as spiritual. God is astonishing in his diversity in how he does things. It's never quite the way it seems that we'd imagined it would be. And yet when the entire team, when the whole church, the full body of Christ are all working together, the miraculous things he chooses to do through his people are just countless. Now, I'm not saying the cardinals are a perfect working of God, but neither is the church. This is just a good reminder, though, of the importance of working together, putting aside our own individual aspirations for the betterment of the team. We're going to take one more break. We'll do that right here. Then we're going to come back with our Pest of the Week. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Hey, let me ask you, are you still seeing those pesky stink bugs around your home? Though the weather has been a little milder than normal, if you're still seeing them, it may mean that they've found a home with you. Listen, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today and they will take care of the problem. And they'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Seeing too many spiders around the house? Call Town & Country. Other creepy, crawly things move in out of the weather? Call Town & Country. Larger noises coming from the attic, walls, or basement? Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024. That's 426-5024. And when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you, Town & Country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have. Remember, Town & Country fears nothing but God. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. At the end of every show, we go around the room, give you our Pest of the Week. We'll start with you, Zach. What is your Pest of the Week? 
My pest of the week is a name you probably haven't heard in a while. Former Major League pitcher Jack Blackjack McDowell. You remember him? Sure. Jack time with the White Sox. Well, he posted on his Facebook. You know what I remember? Sorry to interrupt. You know what I remember most about Jack McDowell? He lost two of the games that the Yankees lost in 95 in that series with Seattle. He took two of the losses. He didn't have a long career, but he was already beginning the downside of it at that point. Anyways, he put on his Facebook this week, FYI, Sabermetrics is a scam that has infiltrated our game of baseball. And he goes on, for the single reason of opening jobs for people who would otherwise be unqualified, it has added nothing of serious merit to the game, etc., etc. Basically goes on to call Sabermetrics a money grab to create jobs for people who couldn't get them otherwise. I don't know if he realizes this, but most of those sabermetricians that are being hired by major league teams have degrees from Harvard and Yale and could get any job they want. In fact, some of them make less money working in baseball than they would elsewhere. He doesn't seem to recognize that a lot of the teams that are successful now have adopted these these sabermetrics, and he probably hasn't read Moneyball. So Jack McDowell, he's my pest of the week. Yeah, I could see where that would rub you. You're a you're a sabermetrics supporter. I'm a numbers guy. You're a numbers guy. Way. Yeah, I am surprised to hear him say that. His career would have overlapped Billy Bean in the Moneyball era. In well, the Moneyball era in Oakland still carries on, but he he would have overlapped that. I mean, he did play twelve years. I'm looking at his stats. Had 127 wins. I would have thought more than that. He was dominant with the White Sox. We didn't get that when he came to the Yankees. Anyway, my pest of the week is the San Diego Chargers for fining Eric Weddle, safety Eric Weddle. They fined him $10,000 because in their last home game, rather than go in with the team at halftime, he stayed out on the field to watch his young daughter, who was dancing as part of the halftime show. I get it. You know, you got to have your team in the locker room. You got to be consistent. But, man, you need to go to the guy and just say, listen, you did wrong here. We can't make exceptions for you. But to hit him with $10,000, come to something there. It's your last home game. The Chargers have been treating this guy. He's been playing with them for years. He's a pro, three- or four-time Pro Bowler. I can't remember which. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I had heard that they that he's not going to be on the plane. Is it this week that they're playing Denver? It has to be. Yeah. yeah. They're not gonna, they, they told him there's no room on the plane. This is according to the agent. And again, I don't know the truth Good here. Lord. That there's no room on the plane. You're on injured reserve. You're not going. But to find him $10,000, and they have. They've just been treating him poorly. So the San Diego Chargers are my pest of the week. Don't find a guy 10000 bucks because he's watching. In their last home game, no less. Possibly last home game in San Diego. They could be moving to L.A., but they find him $10,000 because he stayed out and watched his daughter. I just think, man, being a dad is more important than being a football player. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com, or you can give them a call, 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. Hope you have a happy new year. Hope your holiday season has been great. I know I've enjoyed it with my family. We'll be back next week with an all-new show. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game.